studied hard and I've been acing all my classes. Got laser surgery corrected for my glasses. Been pumping iron 30 hours a week, improving on my physique so I can kick all of your asses. Did all the dishes and I cleaned out all the closets. I mowed the lawn and tightened all the leaky faucets. Got liposuction on my cows and my gut, my face, my arms, and my butt, removing my fatty deposits. I feel revitalized, performance optimized, perfection realized. Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White and this is a very exciting episode. It's been two weeks since our last one. I said I wasn't sure. Well, now I'm sure. It was two weeks. Um, I've got a busy slew of weekends coming up. So the fact is, I'm pretty confident we are going to be sticking to this every two weeks policy for now. Um, we'll see about you know what happens when everything changes, when I run out of uh, radio serials to play. Uh, you never know. I have a pretty good idea of what I want the show to be after that. Um, the question is, how long is it going to take to do? Is it going to take less time? I think it actually will take less time, but we'll see if I can handle doing it every week then. For now, we're just going to say indefinitely the show is going to be every two weeks. So there's a show this week. There will be another one two weeks from now. Why? Well, like I said, I've got so much going on. Uh, two weeks from now, I actually have a busy weekend, uh, but hopefully I'll do most of the work next weekend. Two weeks from now, I'm seeing Jonathan Colton concert, and then I also have to move because uh, I'm not moving, but I have to move stuff because my parents are moving to Chicago from Connecticut. Sort of a bummer for me um, because I am going to miss them. But in addition, it's a bummer because I have so much stuff up in their attic, including um, about a billion trillion comments. Uh, and I'm going to have to move them all. And thankfully, I found a place that I can put them, which is uh, my my grandmother's basement. And I'm going to be moving them there. Anyway, that weekend. And then the weekend after that is Mocha Fest, which is going to be awesome. And the weekend after that, uh, we're going back to Binghamton for a, for a baby shower. It, it's all sorts of craziness. So the point is, from now on, we're going to say two weeks per show. Uh, and hopefully, we'll be able to swing it. But here we are with a show. So let's not dwell on, on the fact that there's no show next week. Let's dwell on the fact that there's a show this week. Lots of cool stuff. We've got Decker and Hayes, we've got Epic Echoes, we've got a Frank Allen interview, we've got a song uh, played by me on the ukulele. It's going to be so much fun. Right, guys? Right? All right. Now, now uh, let's introduce our, our co-hosts. Uh, for example, here's Mr. Scape White. Hi, guys. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I, You know, I'm, I I feel pumped about this. I had a good weekend so far, and I, I figured, uh, you know, let's let's get right to this show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good, good. Uh, what did you do this weekend, Dad? I figured I'll make this small talk. What do you think about that? that that's very nice of you. Um, What did I do this weekend? Well, yesterday we, uh, we hung out, we played some games, we played a game called Iron Dragon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I remember I was trying to knock stuff over. Yes, you were. Yes. It wasn't very helpful, I'll be honest with you. But we, we played a game, Iron Dragon. It's a rail building game. And we, we watched The Descent, uh, which is the second time I've seen it, but it was really good. Yeah, I didn't watch it. No, I know. I know. It was a, it was a little it was a little scary. It was, wasn't it? I thought it, I thought it was. I didn't know what to expect. It was. It took me by surprise. No, I know. That was I mean, that was kind of the point. I, I knew that you guys didn't know what it was about, so I figured I'm just not going to tell him. Uh, this is, by the way, this is Frank Allen, who uh, currently lives with me. So Yeah, and I do... I and I do appreciate that. Um, no, seriously, uh, I, I it was it was a little too scary. No, I mean I understand. It's a very tense movie. It's a very um, uh, nerve wracking movie, and I, that's why I didn't want to tell you because actually that's the experience I had. I went in without knowing what it was about, so I thought, wow, this is just this really intense, scary movie about spelunking, and it and it was really effective in that capacity. And then all of a sudden, when the, the turn comes, uh, it really caught me off guard. I don't want to spoil it. No, don't spoil it, don't because you never know if people don't know. Um, that was, but it, I got to tell you, Jordan, I I am glad I saw it, kind of, but in a sense, it was a little too frightening for me. Well, what, why? What happened? Well, that's why I was up all last night. I was a little afraid. <sighs> well, that's funny that you say that. I was up all last night because you were up all last night. Well, that's because I was afraid. And that made you have to make noise all night. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I was I was trying to, I was being as quiet as I could. As quiet as, quiet as you could while speaking out loud at a broadcast level 
uh, vo- volume. Yeah, but that's what I do when I when I when I need to calm myself down. I I do shows. I you know I record little shows. I mean, not for public consumption. Obviously, I'm not going to play them. Uh, but I record little private shows on my my tape recorder. And you know, yeah, what is that? Is that like a Fisher Price tape recorder? I mean, I remember having one of those. Yeah, that's what it is. It's this little sturdy brown guy here. Uh, he records everything quite well. I, ha- I did. I had one of those when I was little. That's really weird. I'm surprised it still works. Oh, it works absolutely very well. You just push down the record and play button at the same time there and just tapes right onto any any tape. They make really long tapes now, like 180-minute tapes, so you can record nice long shows. Right. Well, but the point was, did you have to do it all night when I was sleeping, when I was not sleeping? Jordan, it's like I told you when you came out to talk to me about it. Repeatedly. Yes, repeatedly, which was kind of disruptive. Oh, was it disruptive? Yeah. I was try- Again, I was trying to record a show. Again, even if it's not something people are going to hear, I take pride my work. I think that's one of my strong suits, is that I do prideful work. Great. And the point was, it's unreasonable of me to say at 4 a.m. that you should stop talking. Yeah. You knew, Look, you knew what you were getting into when I moved into your house. You knew I was a show host when, when you offered to let me stay here. So, you know, I think it's pretty acceptable that I would continue being a show host. Okay, well, you know, Frank, hold on. Um, I do have one more host to introduce, which is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Rory, thank you for uh, being here, and I do want to introduce you. You could have a second to talk about, I'm sure you want to talk about extra history. Well, yes, I do, of course. Uh, my name is Mr. Rory Sinjin, of course, Dean of the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Uh, still accepting applications, by the way, castandwax at gmail.com. Please write into us. Tell us about your extra historical qualifications. We've got scholarships opening up every single day, all sorts of new scholarships. So please send us in your, your background, who you are, what kind of background you come from, and what sort of extra historical qualifications you have, perhaps a bit of your own extra historical studies, and you could win a, a scholarship to the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Just write into castinwax at gmail.com. But uh, let enough about that. What did, what did you want to talk about, Jordan? Well, Rory, um, it's about this Frank Allen situation. Uh, oh, God. I was hoping we could do a little update, uh, if you know what I mean. Oh, I certainly do. Can you, do you have your ukulele? Of course. Then, Scape, would you mind singing, please? Let it go. Go ahead, darling. Thank you very much. Um, now, uh, for those of you who uh, have not been keeping track, Frank Allen was a, a uh, successful, so to speak, drive through worker at a fast food restaurant. He quit this job to pursue his dream of being a show host professionally instead of in his amateur way that he does now. Uh, excuse me? No, but you know what I mean, because you don't get paid. Well, you know... I could. Well, so far, we that has yet to be proven. All right. So he did this, you know, and of course, it, it's been completely a, a failure so far. No one has offered him a job, despite him mewling that they would send him something at cassinwax at gmail.com. No one has deigned to do so. So uh, he is completely unemployed. He has no money. He was unable to maintain rent payments at his apartment. And so Mr. Jordan D. White offered to let him stay at his house. Jordan, how is that going for you? Um, well, it's funny you ask. Well, I'm only asking because you, you told me to. Right. No, I know. Um, it is funny, though, because I'm going to have to ask you to leave, Frank. What? Well, well why? Well, because, do you not remember uh, the deal that I made when you moved in? Yeah, and I've been I've been trying to get jobs. You've been trying to get... Yeah, well, you've been trying to get jobs, sure. I have. And how have you been trying? What, what have you done to try to get this job? I've been writing to uh, networks, sending them audio clips of good shows. Okay. Well... That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, what? That's. I want to get a job on a network. What? What else am I supposed to do? I want to be a host. I did some hosting. I have clips of hosting. I send those clips of hosting to people with a resume attached. Well, yeah. With a, I mean, yes. What do you? Of course, with a resume. A cover letter. Yeah, I did a cover letter. Thanks. I'm not an idiot. You send them CDs. Well, no, I send them tapes. 
Okay, well, nobody listens to tapes. What do you mean nobody listens to tapes? What about my little brown guy here? Well, the, the reason it was so quaint when I saw that is because nobody uses tapes. People use CDs. That's about it. People use MP3s. You could send them a little data key or, or, or a download link even, but a tape, it, that's foolish. Well, how am I supposed to know this? Look, why didn't you tell me that off the show? Now you're kicking me out of your house because because I don't know about technology. Oh, come on. Well, don't know. That's not the only reason. There's there's other reasons. I mean, cause, because you could, other things you could have done would have been gotten a temporary job to buy you over so you could get an apartment. Yeah, but that, that's what I did before. That's what I did when I got the fast food restaurant and when I got the, 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 supermarket job way back when. I know, and it worked. You had an apartment. Yeah, I did. Of course I had an apartment, but I didn't have an apartment in here. What's that supposed to mean? I didn't have, I wasn't, I wasn't at home in my, in my body. I wasn't at home in my life. I didn't, I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. And that's where I'm trying to get right now. Yes, but you're not, but you're doing it by being in the place that I want to live. Yeah, I'm, I, and I get, I'm, listen, Jordan, I'm really appreciative that you let me stay here. But I'm not going to let you stay here anymore. So you shouldn't be so appreciative as all that. No, but I mean, Jordan, please, I don't have anywhere else to go. Not currently, no, you don't. But Frank, you got to find somewhere because you can't stay here. Devin and I have not been alone together in this apartment for weeks because you never leave the apartment. That's not true. I leave the apartment. You go to the laundry room to use our card to do your laundry. That's where else have you gone? Why? Well, well, I got the mail. That's, these are all places in the apartment building. So you haven't left the apartment building. I went to 7-Eleven once. Yeah, well. That's not. No, Frank, we, we do, listen, you, you can't stay. I'm sorry. You can't stay. You're going to need to find somewhere else. Well, where? I don't. There's nowhere else for me to go. I understand that, Frank. And that's why you're going to need to find somewhere. I can't help you. I've tried to help you and you're not helping yourself. I'm helping myself to my dreams. Right. Yes. Yes. And you're helping yourself to my stuff. But I want you to help yourself to your own stuff, if you know what I mean. Well, I do. Jordan, what am I going to do? I mean, seriously. Frank, I... I told you what to do when you moved in and you didn't do it. So well, tell me again, because I don't know. You got to try to get a job, but you got to do it in a real way and you got to be serious about it. If you're that serious about getting a job in the industry, why don't you try to get a mail clerk job? That's insulting. No, it's not insulting. It's it's the ground floor. You start at the ground floor, you work your way up. These are the way things work. You know, I I mean, not everybody can just step right into, you know, being the dean of a, of a, of a, of an institution that they started. Well, Rory did. I know that, and that's what I was referencing, but not everybody can do that. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't afford to start my own institute. I, I wasn't suggesting you should. Obviously, you can't start your own institute. I'm suggesting you get off of your butt in my apartment and get a freaking job, you loser. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry I said that you were a loser, but you're. it's very frustrating having you here in my house, never leaving my house. You only shower every two days. Well, I'm, I'm saving you water. I don't think I pay for water. Well, I'm saving the city water. <sighs> Frank, uh, I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry. You're a dear friend. You can stay on the podcast all you, as long as you want. You can't stay in my house. You can be in my house right now, but in the morning you got to go. But where? That's for you to figure out. I'm sorry. I can't figure that out. Take some time to think about it. I don't know what to tell you. Well, that's quite a crushing blow for Mr. Frank Allen. So, let's see. Now, Frank Allen, now that you've been thrown out of your friend Jordan's apartment and you have nowhere to live, um, what's, what's your next move? Well, he just said he was going to give me time to think about it. No, I know, but I thought maybe you'd thought of something. It was a second ago. No, I know. Well, uh, all right. Um, You know, Rory, can No, I... absolutely not. Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. You're a horrible human being and I would never have you live in my home. No. All right. Well... I, you know, I guess I'll, I'll gotta, I gotta think of somebody else to ask. Right. All right. Well, good luck with that. And I believe that brings us to the end of Asshole Watch. Scaby, would you mind? No, not at all.
you, Scapey, and uh, thank you, Rory, and sorry, Frank. Oh, all right. You've got, listen, you've got some time to think about it, because right now we have an episode of Decker and Hayes, the radio serial about a lesbian detective agency. Um, this is the second to last episode of the series entire. We're building up to some serious stuff here, man. It's going to be crazy. Uh, if you want to know what's going down in the city of Parlortown, well, here's how you find out. Decker and Hayes, Season 3, Episode 10, What a Piece of Work, by Lynn Nelson. Stella Decker and Macy Hayes found themselves in Stella's truck heading for their home. Donna Grimaldi is not the woman in the picture. Parlotown's Diamond and the Rough detectives have been feeling like they were the rough lately, between Stella's life-altering handicap and Macy's more recent life-threatening attack. Their relationship was on the fritz, and they'd been finding a lot of puzzle pieces that didn't fit together. They had hit the proverbial jackpot when they found the mayor's second daughter, who was none other than Donna Maynard. Wife of Sammy, the Shark Grimaldi, Parlortown's most famous mob boss, Donna Maynard had made her own name in Parlortown through her good looks and charm. The two slightly astonished detectives had been about to ask Donna Maynard about Mayor Glass, when Stella had interrupted them and rushed them out to the truck. What are you talking about? The widow said- I know, I know, but I think things are falling into place. Look, just get us home. Is that where I'm going? Just drive, Mace. At home, the girls had papers and folders spread out on the kitchen table, and cups of tea steaming at their sides. Okay, show me what you're talking about now, please. Stella pulled out the identical photos that the mayor and the widow had given them. She gave one to Macy and studied the other one herself. Oh god, you're right. She looks nothing like her. Look at the nose, mouth, even the hair. You're right. Her hair is much thicker than Donna's was. Her mouth is smaller, her nose is longer. Besides... If it had been a picture of Grimaldi, we would have recognized her. So who's lying? Well, we've got a lot of untangling to do. Donna is definitely the mayor's daughter. We've got documentation to back that up. We got so caught up in realizing that Donna was Tasha's sister, we forgot about the picture. It's got to be a fake, probably designed to throw someone off the track. But who? And by whom? Who knows? The mayor? The widow? Us? Possibly all three. Jeez. You know what's been bugging me? A lot of things, I imagine. No one is interested in decadence. We haven't looked for her, and no one has asked us to. Maybe someone already knows where she is. Well, it might be useful for us to know. Where do you think we should start? Let's start with Maison X. Maison X? I talked to Officer Kelser, the cop we've been paying off to keep Mamas open. He indicated that there was trouble with Maison X that's been buried. But Maison X has been closed for so long. How do you propose we dig up this trouble? I think it's time to call Julian. Not a chance. He said he wouldn't help you with your criminal business. I'm not in the crime business anymore. At least not on the criminal end. A phone call on a truck ride later, the girls found themselves in the spacious office their old friend Julian McGinnis had been delegated at the offices of the district attorney. McGinnis had been a friendly rival of the girls, but when he lost some good friends on the same case that had landed a bullet in Stella's spine, he had sworn off detecting to return to the DA's office. He had also told them that he didn't want to be mixed up in illegal business, because of his new job. But the conspiracy theories were piling on, and the girls were getting desperate. My girls! I can't tell you how good it is to see you. Especially you, Stell. Are you okay in that thing? I have a brain, Jules. I can maneuver a chair. That's not what I meant. I know. It's hard. It's been really hard. You're sweet for being concerned. Stella Decker is used to overcoming obstacles. I know you'll make it. I'm a little worried to ask, but, uh, 
What brings you ladies to my office today? Don't worry, Jules. I'm out of Mama's business. Yeah, but not voluntarily, eh? We're here to solve a crime. I don't mean to tease, Stella. I am sorry to hear about Mama's. I know. We're on a case that you can't breathe a word about, Jules. That big, eh? We wouldn't bother you if it wasn't. We know how you feel about getting involved in our business, and we're not asking you for anything anyone will find out. But we really need your help. <sighs> what do you want? Mind you, I'm not committing to helping you. But I guess I can hear what's on your mind. It's about the widow. Oh boy, I've been looking into her ever since you came to me, Stell. But you said- I know, but you piqued my interest. Besides, the more I checked, the more I realized the molehill was a mountain in disguise. This widow is in deep. I don't know how much I can help you out, but I'll give you what I can. What we really need to know about is Maison X. Julian McGinnis sat back in his chair and looked contemplative for a minute. He was clearly hesitant to talk about Maison X, and even glanced to his fogged door window to see if anyone was outside. Finally, he spoke in a quiet voice. Maison X was a huge cover-up. About what? Well, it closed pretty abruptly. No one likes to talk about it. But ask any cop on the beat, and they'll tell you it was a routine raid. <sighs> routine. It goes beyond that, though. Miss Vera was killed. Killed? Oh, God. It goes high up. I think the mayor was involved in the cover-up. Aha! Uh -huh. I had an uneasy feeling about him. Do you know who killed Miss Vera? I'll give you two guesses. Tell me it was the widow. Looks like I don't have to. Son of a... I'll kill her. I'd rather not have another of my girls in jail, okay, Stell? And that bastard covered it up. Well, he shut them down. All in the interest of stopping crime, you know? Jesus. Okay, Jules, I hate to do this, but we need a favor. I've already said more than I should have. We need another page. Page? The tape, Maisie. Maybe we can find out who it is. Oh, jeez. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna write a name and an address down on a piece of paper, which I'm gonna give to you. You're gonna take it, find the address, and destroy all evidence that this piece of paper came from me. And this is gonna count for like five favors. I actually could get in a lot of trouble for this. We know, Jules. How can we thank you? You can never speak of this again. Julian McGinnis scribbled on a piece of paper, folded it, and slid it across the desk. The girls nodded, and the three of them said a quick and sentimental goodbye. Macy was wheeling Stella toward the door when Julian stopped them. Hold on, Mace. Macy turned around to see Julian knitting his brow at his desk. Can I cover you somehow? I've got a man who can keep a secret. He could drive or follow you. We wouldn't risk it, Jules. We'll be fine on our own. But we appreciate the offer. When this all blows over, let's get coffee or something, okay? You know, talk not about Parlor Town falling to pieces? It's a date. The girls got into Stella's truck and maneuvered around Parlor Town for about twenty minutes, until they came to the address on the piece of paper. A young woman answered the door. The girls dropped the necessary names and were welcomed inside. Her name was Alice. She had long, wavy brown hair, the longest Macy had ever seen. She had a small but modern-looking apartment, very neat. She offered the girls something to drink, which they politely refused, and led them to her living room, which was an immaculately kept array of impressive machines. What a collection. Let's call it a hobby. Why don't you give me your tape? Stella handed Alice the tape with a voice. Alice put it into a tape player, pressed a few buttons, and sat at her computer. This software will digitize the contents of your tape. Once I ripped it into my computer, which is about now, I can isolate different voice waves. The first of many. We'll work with that bit, if that's all right with you. You're the boss. Okay, so first I'll clean up the background noise a little bit. The first of many. And this is the part where we hack into the government's databases. 
if you don't mind. Oh, of course. Macy turned Stella's chair to face the other way, and they both idly gazed at the pictures and knickknacks in Alice's apartment while she went through her database hacking process. Macy spoke to the wall. So, how does this work, if I'm allowed to ask? Most government officials have to keep a voice sample in their private profile. I'd get into that database and cross-reference this clip with all the voice samples. Sometimes I get a hit. Like this one. Whoa, what a doozy, take a look! Macy wheeled Stella around, and the two of them stared at Alice's monitor in disbelief. Oh my god. <laughs> Add another liar to our list. Staring them in the eye was a friendly face, framed by close-cut dark hair. He was wearing a neatly tailored black suit. Next to his face in big block letters was the name Stanley L. Hooper, followed by his occupation and location. Security officer. Office of the mayor. Parlor Town. New Jersey. I don't believe it. Talk about corruption, eh? Hey, if it didn't exist, we wouldn't have a job. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alice. Can we give you something for your work? And discretion? No need, ladies. I'm happy to do a favor for Julian. And don't worry about me. My work flies out of my memory the minute you walk out the door. That is, of course, unless you ever need something else. I'm sure you'll have the special touch that jogs my memory about your case. Well, you're a handy one to know. Thank you so much. You have no idea what you've done for Parlor Town. And I prefer to keep it that way. The girls left Alice's apartment with their original tape, a digitized copy, and a copy of the cleaned-up version. Macy helped Stella into the truck and started it up. She pulled away and turned onto Brook Street. So where to? I don't know. We have to decide where the widow fits in. We don't know if Stan gave her the picture or if she gave it to him. So Stan, Mayor Glass, or the widow could be masterminding this whole operation. I think we should go see the mayor. Are you crazy? We could be walking into a death trap and a perfect cover-up about our deaths. Where else are we going to go? He's the man with at least half the answers. All right. I think you're nuts, but I guess answers would be good. Is the mayor masterminding this whole operation? Is anyone telling the truth? Will the girls be able to solve the case and get out alive? Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion. All wrapped up. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, the narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tymon, Macy Hayes was Lynn Nelson, Julian McGuinness was Rich Bellin, and Alice was Kate Manton. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. So, uh, now that we've shifted to two weeks per episode, uh, I'm sure you'll just be continuing with your, your normal thing of uh, doing one Where Are They Now in History to encompass two This Day in Histories, correct? Actually, no. Uh, I mean, perhaps sometimes, uh, but this week I did not do that. This week I, I went back to doing individual ones for each episode. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yes, and if it's all right with you, so I figured we would play one now um, and listen to it, both parts, and then we can play the other one later. Sure, yeah, that sounds fine. Well, let's, let's get right to it. All right. Welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin, and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. On March 15th, 44 BC, Gaius Julius Caesar, dictator of Rome, is stabbed to death in the Roman Senate House by 60 conspirators led by Marcus, Junius Brutus, and Gaius Cassius Longinus. Let's hear what it sounded like. All this back pain. Ah, it feels like there's something stabbing me in the back. Oh, hey, ow. Caesar. Whoa, you got a knife in your back. Here, let me help you. Knife in the face! Ow! 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 I great. love conspiracies. Ow! You know, I'm going to need a whole lot of whiskey to treat these wounds. Ow! That'll teach you for laughing at my name. No one will ever laugh at Marcus Gaius Longinus ever again! Don't have that whiskey without eating something. See that girl? Caesar salad. Ah! Gosh. Now, Caesar, I think you're using whiskey to treat a problem that would be better served by a doctor. 
Maybe if you think that whiskey will help you in this situation, you should go and see a certified specialist for whiskey dependency. Wow, maybe you're right. Fortunately, uh, Caesar did get the help he needed and died a clean and sober man, having not had a drink in nearly hours. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But wait one moment, sir. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. And as I'm sure you can tell, when the leader of the most important country in the world is stabbed in the back with such disloyalty, when such a noble leader as that brave true man was, is completely betrayed, it really does seem as though a fire has broken out in his heart, if not the building around him. And those that had conspired against this great man, this emperor among men, the guilt that they felt consumed them with every part of their being, so much so that the only thing they thought could fill it was whiskey, because sometimes alcohol can be used to try to substitute for an actual solution to your problems, but it's not the actual way to solve your problems. You know, you actually have to take action. In the same way that if there was a fire, you would pull the fire alarm, but not if there's not a fire, because if you did, that would be a lie. So that fire alarm pulling is much like the whiskey drinking. They don't actually do anything. Well, I mean, they, they do do something, but the thing that they do is detrimental to your life rather than helping you. And as everyone knows, when the leader of the most important country in the world calls for your help, you want to be the person who says, I will be happy to help you. Would you like me to attack Egypt? Sure, I'll, I'll do that. Would you like me to you know, drop bombs on Japan? Sure, I'll do that. You know, whatever you need. So Make sure that you don't pull fire alarms needlessly or drink whiskey needlessly. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. Thank you for that, Rory. That was very nice of you. Now, uh, Frank, uh, up next we have a Frank Allen interview. What's that all about? What do you mean? No, I mean, what's it all about? Oh, I, it sounded like you were saying, why do, you, do I get a part of the show? No, I mean, you get a part of the show because you're, you know, you're one of the people on the show. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. So, uh, Frank, tell us about your your uh, your interview. What, what interview did you get lined up here? Well, okay, I'll be honest with you. Uh, basically... I, I mean, speaking of Jordan, you know, me not, not trying, I was trying. No, but Frank, you're not going to convince me to let you stay. Well, all right, but this interview might, because here's the thing. You guys have always been, you know, riding on me about, oh, you know, your last one, you had all these exposés, and that's not nice. You know, I believe we said that it was a terrible show. It wasn't necessarily the exposés. It was that the exposés were misunderstandings of what actually fundamentally had occurred. Well, yeah, yeah. So you didn't want me to do exposés. Well, that's not what I said, no. Well, yeah, so, but whenever I do these exposés, I get a bunch of flack from you guys. So what I thought was, what I'll do is I'll do a family-friendly, kid-accessible, you know, every all ages, let's just do an interview that, that is just a, a pleasant, I mean, I don't want to say fluff piece because that sounds, that sounds uh, offensive to the piece. You know, just kind of a, a feel-good piece that is about something that the whole family can enjoy and stuff like that. All right, so what did you do? Well, I contacted one of the Muppets, and uh, I got one of the Muppets to be on my show. Oh, that's always cute when that happens. That's that's cool. That's great, Frank. Yeah, so you see, I, I'm trying. Not, you can't stay. You, no, you can't stay in my place. You can't stay in my place. But I'm just saying that I'm trying. I know, and I'm saying that you can't... Look, there's nothing to do with it. It's probably going to be a great interview, maybe, but I that has nothing to do with... The interview is not affecting... Oh, no, I, I, I understand. I understand, but I'm... All right, but... Just so you know. That's fine. Uh, let's, you want to just listen to it? Yeah, let's, no, let's listen to it. It's going to be, gather everybody around and we'll uh, have a nice listen. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hello there, this is Frank Allen for Frank Allen Interviews, and welcome. We've got a very special episode. As you know, I have in the past been a very in-depth, investigative interviewer, uh, and uh, I've gotten a little flack. I won't lie. I've gotten a little bit of flack for doing exposés, but so I, I thought, well, you know what? Let me show off the fact that I'm diverse, and I will do a family interview. Uh, I have with us tonight a performer who you might recognize from The Muppet Show. It is a, uh, I'm sure, much beloved by families and children all over, Muppet uh, named Minky. Hello, Minky. How are you? Hello, Frank. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. So what's it like working on The Muppet Show? Well, it's very interesting. Um, I 
should explain a little bit that I was originally on The Muppet Show, but as a Muppet, have had the opportunity to work on a number of shows and movies involving Muppets, such as Sesame Street, which I'm sure your listeners know very well, and um, I have been an extra in Fraggle Rock, and I did have actually a pretty small part in Dark Crystal. Oh, that's very, that's very interesting. Now, what, what kind of a... What kind of a role did you have in that? Well, I've played various things uh, along the way. I um, I, you'd probably recognize me on Earth as an I.I. and th- this is um for children who are not aware, a very small primate, and I look kind of silly with very big eyes, and so I can double as a monster or um any sort of other alien creature as well as kind of a monkey. All right, well that's interesting. Now, what what kind of an animal is an I.I. Usually, a primate. What I mean, what this is a real creature that exist in real life? Well, yeah. I mean, I exist. Eye-eyes, yes. They are earth uh, animals, and they are very small primates with very large eyes. And we are known primarily for our very, very long pinky finger, which is, um, on a human would be a pinky finger. And it's very long and skinny, and it lets me, um, poke it into trees to pick out insects, which I eat. Oh, well, okay. That's a little gross, and that's not really family friendly. Don't, kids, don't eat bugs, because uh, that's gross. But uh, let's let's talk some more about the Muppet Show. So how did you get into Muppeting? Well, that's a very interesting story. I got into Muppeting as just about any other Muppet uh, got into it, which was a casting call for Muppet creatures, and uh, I answered it. And, you know, you go through a standard audition where you do a little acting and you, you know, do some educational type conversation and programming. You demonstrate your basic knowledge of all of the subjects, and I got in. All of what? I w- Basic knowledge of what subjects? Math, English, history, the things that we'll be teaching children. Oh, okay. Uh, like for the educational roles. Okay. For, for instance, Sesame Street. Right. Did you do a lot of acting before that? Because you said you have to demonstrate your acting. Well, not really. I mean, M- Muppet creatures on our home world don't really um, do much acting. We have other kinds of ac- occupations. I'm sorry? We do other things. We generally actually do practical work, um, such as, you know, sanitation, plumbing, things to keep our, our homes running. Uh, okay. Mm, mm, no, but... Uh, okay. I um, am by trade a carpenter, actually, but I, I find myself quite a decent actress. Okay, no, I guess I just was a little... You're a carpenter. Okay, I was a little confused because... um, Right. Well, no, that's fine. Uh, from a planet that you're talking about. So, right... Uh, well, anyway, how do you enjoy uh, performing for children? Uh, is it is it fun? Oh, I love performing for children. I especially appreciate when we are able to do live shows or other kinds of events where we can meet children and let them pet us and learn more about us. It's a lot of fun. Do they? You let the children pet you? Oh, sure. We're very furry. Well, I know. I mean, I can see. I know you're furry, but uh, I didn't. Th- I mean, I figured it would spoil. Well, no, that's fine. Uh, have you had any significant roles in the shows at this point? I mean, you said some some kind of smaller roles, but what what else have you what 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 meaty bits have have we seen you in? Well, for the most part, I am still um, an extra or a stand-in in some of the shows. Uh, you, you know, I'm not as well known as, for instance, uh, Kermit or my friend Miss Piggy, but I do have a standing segment on the Muppet Show called Minky's House, where we do building projects and I show children how to, for instance. Cut wood and sand wood, or how to plan out a room um, and decorate a room, and they're very fun. All right. Well, okay. So, so uh, I mean, again, the carpeting thing coming up. Uh, 
so what was this other planet that you're talking about? I, I'm a little confused about that. Well, I mean, Frank, of course I'm referring to Muppa, which is our home planet where all Muppet creatures come from. M- Muppa. No, but, I mean, Kermit's a, a frog. He's a frog. He comes from the, the bayou, I think. Well, we have many species of uh, different creatures on Muppa. None of them are really Earth creatures. I mean, Kermit uh, looks like an Earth frog, so he passes himself off here as Kermit the Frog, but on Muppa, Kermit is what we actually call a cocho. Go, no, but, he mean, he, no, I, but we saw, in the movie, we saw that he comes from the swamp. Well, that's his story. That's Kermit the Frog, the character's story. Kermit the Frog, no, Kermit's not an actor. He's a, I mean, he is, he is the character. No, Kermit is the character, yes, and he is played by a cocha named Fu. No, I, no, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. He's not an actor. Kermit the Frog, ever, uh, that guy, all that he is is what's on screen. Sc- you, you as well, you are a Minky. That, that's your name. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Frank. Minky is the character that I play. I w- was really hoping not to um, reveal this to the children, who are probably under the impression that we are really um, the creatures that they see. So perhaps we should steer this somewhere else. No, 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 no. Look, I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm sorry, kids. No, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for any kids. But you're not spoiling for anything for any kids. You're, 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 you're talking nonsense. How can you have come from another planet? There's, there's no other planet that has life besides Earth that we know of. Frank, I'm, I'm sorry for the confusion, but I was under the impression that everyone was generally aware of our home world. No, there's no... That's not... you. I, look. All right, look. I'm sorry. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this. But you're lying about your home world. You're lying. I'm very sad that you would accuse a Muppet of lying. I mean, we are very benign creatures. But I I have to ask, Frank, do you ever watch The Muppet Show? Of course I watch The Muppet Show, but I know for a fact that you're lying. I'm sorry. How do you know that? Because you... Because... All right. I'm going to do it, if that's what you want. Because you're a puppet. Because there's a guy here with his hand up your butt. You're a puppet. You don't actually have legs. I say butt. There's no butt. It's like you're a half a thing. You're you're right. I I don't have legs. I don't really have a butt either. I'm I'm not an earthen creature. We do require the assistance of uh, humans to help us maneuver your planet. Um, and so I understand where you might get that impression. There is also the matter of not scaring children, which I'm really upset to have to do on this expose, as I assumed it was an interview for children. But we do try to keep up appearances of being puppets so that no one gets too upset. But I was under the impression that the adult humanoids on your planet were completely aware of our alien nature. But when you talk, his mouth is moving and the words are coming out of his mouth. He's very practiced. What, practice? Why would he practice at that? Because as I explained, we try to keep up puppet appearances. Our human sisters are very used to doing this for us, and so sometimes, as in with your American Sign Language, people sign when they don't have to, even when they're talking to people who can hear. Our human sisters sometimes move their mouths when it's unnecessary. That's, no, that's not true. You're lying. I, I don't understand what this gets you. It, you're clearly a puppet. And you've got sticks attached to your hands. They're very thin sticks, but they're sticks. And he's holding them. Um, as I explained, eye-eyes have these very long fingers attached to their hands that they use to get bugs out of trees. That might be what you're looking at. No, I'm not looking at the bug finger, which is still disgusting. I'm talking about at your wrist, there's a little stick, and he's just... Articulating with the stick. Yes, see, like like that. 
There, there, you're moving. Say it. Oh, yes, of course. My muscle guides. You see, in your atmosphere, it is sometimes difficult for us to flex certain muscles, and so my human assistor generally helps me move my arms about. What? No, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry you think so. And you forgot about it? Well, it has become second nature now to let him help me, but the more functional thing that I thought you might be referring to is my pinky finger. No, there's not. That's gross. I'm not talking about the pinky, and it's fake, and... Obviously, you're like you said, you're based on an eye-eye. Do you want to feel it? No! It's real. This is real. I'm just... I look like an earth eye-eye, but I am actually a Tika from Mappa. I, no, this is... I Look, I wanted to do a pleasant interview for children, like you said, but I can't put upward... I mean, it's one thing to lie to children and say that you're... An eye eye. But it's another to lie to children and say you're, a, you're an alien. That's what, I, why, why, why would you do that? Well, Frank, I assumed that in the spirit of education, since you have let me discuss this and break the fourth wall, um, that it might be helpful for children and families to learn about other cultures. Okay, but you're a puppet. And uh, puppeteers go on to work with the Muppets. And they make them. I've seen pictures of them making the Muppets. So that they're like half finished and they, you know, are just vague shapes or, or materials and things like that. I'm telling you, we work very hard to put up appearances for children so they are not scared. But we, we tell the children that you're not puppets. Then why do we show them pictures of us being made as puppets? Those are pictures for adults. But they can see them, can't they? The children? No. We don't want the children to know you're puppets. The children think you're frogs and eye eyes and, you know, bears. I'm sorry, I'm confused. Where do you see pictures? On the internet. Children cannot see the internet. They, we have restrictions sometimes, but... Muppet restrictions? No, like, I don't... I mean, you know, sexual restrictions. Frank, this is a family program that every single movie and show that I'm on is family friendly. No, I know, but I'm saying when you show the child the the Muppet Christmas Carol, you're not saying to the child, well, these are puppets. You say you just allow them to think incorrectly that they're they're frogs and stuff. Which is what we try to do. Right, but really they're puppets. Really they're Muppets. No, we all know they're Muppets, but really there's a guy with a hand up the butt and it's fake. We don't have butts. There's a guy with a hand in the hole. To assist us, yes. But where's your organs, then? Our organs are not like your organs. Well, clearly, because you don't have any. And your eyes don't move, and your tongue... You don't have a mouth hole. Your mouth is solid. I have no need for a mouth hole. Then how do you eat? Osmosis. How do you breathe? Osmosis. How do you... speak? Osmosis. That's not true. There's no osmosis happening. How do you know? Because... Because you're you're made of felt. It is not felt. It feels like felt. It's fur. Well, it doesn't feel like fur that I know. That's because you have not explored Muppa. Muppa. Muppa again. Okay, look. We we all know that you're a puppet. And I don't know you, sir. I don't know what your game is, sir. Yeah, I'm talking to you, puppeteer. Please, please, Frank. Do not berate my human assistor. He might leave. Oh, he's not a human assistor. He's talking... When he... That's a puppeteer. Listen, listen. Minky. Frank. All right, look. I'm, look, I'm, uh, oh, look, uh, okay, I stopped the recording, now you can tell the truth. You're not an alien, you're really a puppet, we all know this. I don't know that. I, we, you, you could just, but I turned it off, I swear, I swear the recording's off. All right. So you can be, you can tell the truth, Mr., you, you, puppeteer. That's Jim. Jim, well, okay, Jim, we all know the truth. He won't speak to you, Frank, you have insulted him. I, d- d- what, look. There's no children listening, so we're not spoiling it for the children, okay? Really, seriously, let's get serious. I know what a puppet is, I know what a puppeteer is, and I know that you're a puppet and you're a puppeteer. 
Like, let's get, let's just get straight. Frank, I'm very sorry that you seem to be out of the loop, and this does actually concern me quite a bit. That perhaps a large segment of the human population does not know about Mappa. It is, I think, worth examining what kind of、uh, cover-up may be going on here. But I am from Mappa. I am an alien. I am called a Tika from Mappa.、Uh, all right, look, I didn't find. You know what? You're right. You caught me. I didn't turn off the recording, but now I will. For real, this is. Really off now, really. Nothing. You can tell the truth. I'm very sorry to discover that most humans are so stupid. I'm not stupid. I'm I'm not stupid. There's only one stupid person here, and it's him. You know this. I really, I I might have to take this up with the Muppet Council and decide if it's really worth it for us to stay on a planet with such conspiracies, cover-ups, and stupid people. There's no conspiracy except the one that you're forming. I don't even know why we're ah.、Uh, look, if you're really aliens, then I don't want children to watch you. But you're not aliens. Why am I even saying that? No, I really, I really am upset by this. I'm, I'm starting to think that it is probably not worth it to continue the Muppet Show, Sesame Street, and Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock's not been on the air in years. Maybe not in your household. Why not?、Uh, let, let me see the. Let me see your stupid finger. This is, this is not flesh. It's not made of flesh. It's hard so that it can stick into a tree. Well, no, but I'm saying it's not, it's not organic. How would you know? Because I. No things that are organic. I'm organic. I'm organic. No, you're not. That's what I'm saying. You're synthetic. I'm extremely offended by this interview. I think it's probably time for me to leave. No, I don't think it is. I think it's time for you to tell the truth and be revealed before the American public as a puppet. And just how do you propose to do that? I could make you just say the truth, just answer, just say the truth for real. Go ahead. Okay, do it. I am a Muppet from the planet Muppa. Ugh, fine. What you, you want to plug your stupid show? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure we're going to continue making the show. Well, good because it's a bunch of lying liars, apparently. Besides, I thought we weren't recording anymore. Who am I plugging my show to? Well, I lied. I I was recording. I lied. And I'm the lying liar. Fine. You know what? Fine. I I lied. It's all a lie. You know what, kids? They're they're aliens. They're aliens. They want to eat your your brains. No, no, Frank. This is very uneducational. We do not eat brains. We just want to educate and entertain children. I don't. You know. You know. Whatever. Aliens. They they're gonna invade Earth and you know torture people by grabbing their hands with their sphincter-like holes. You know. It's that's ridiculous. There's puppets. They're puppets, everybody. They're puppets. Just don't even believe them.、They're、this、puppets. is so offensive. If you will give me just a second, I'm going to check in with the Muppet Council. Hold one moment. What are you doing? I'm speaking with the Muppet Council. Hold on one moment. You're not talking. You're not speaking at all. You're just sitting there. I'm using my inserted communication chip. One moment. Chip, you're a puppet. There's no, there's no metal in you at all. You could probably pass through a metal detector. All right. Well, it's been agreed that we are going to pull out of Earth. We have educational, entertaining shows on a number of other planets where we are more appreciated and less offended. So I, you know, I appreciate the、um, the eye-opening experience this has been, Frank. And it looks like this is the last time I will see you. Oh, you know what? That's fine. That's fine because you know why? We can just replace you with puppets because you're puppets. So it's fine. You can go anywhere you want to. We'll just make puppet versions, and no one will know. The difference because you are puppets. Well, then this sounds like a win-win situation. Yeah, good. Well, thank you very much for having me, Frank. It's been most enlightening. You're welcome. And you can find Muppet Show DVDs on at stores near you. So fine. This has been a Frank Allen interview. Thank you very much for listening. And you know, I'm sorry you had to put up with that, but you know, now you know. They're, look, they're just puppets. 
Frank, you said it was going to be family friendly and you give us that. What What the hell was that? I hope the children left. I hope that they didn't gather them around like you said to do. That was ter- That was awful. But no, I, it was with a Muppet. Yeah, but what you, you end up yelling at the Muppet and accusing it of being a liar and said it was going to eat kids' brains. It's not my little bit. It was not my fault that the Muppet lied. Okay, the Muppet was a liar. But it didn't say it was going to eat brains. Oh, well, no. If you, no, okay, it didn't. No, but it's because it's a look. Muppets are puppets. What do you want? What, and that's that's the other thing. Where are you getting this puppet thing from? What? What do you mean, where am I going? Because it's a pu- I know what a puppet is. He's got the guy with the hand on the butt. Those are the humanist sisters. Come on. Frank, come on. Not even you could be so stupid. Why are you? I'm not. What are you talking about me be so stupid? I, this is the way that the, 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 the puppets. Muppets are not puppets. Muppets are Muppets for Muppa. Come on now. Uh, Did your parents never tell you anything? First Santa Claus and now this. Yeah, Frank, I mean, I got, uh, that, I mean, seriously. You don't know this? Because I took, yes, I took advantage of you with the Santa Claus thing when I pretended to be Santa Claus. And maybe that was not the right thing to do. But I figured, well, this is this one stupid thing that Frank does, not including quitting his job and da, 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 da. No, come on. But that's a side thing. That's a side thing. And I thought, you know, whatever. I'll just shatter his one illusion and make him cry. But it's not a big deal. But here you are and you don't even know about Muppets from Muppa? Come on. It's another planet. It's in a next galaxy over. They, they've had contact with us for years. How, how, how come I don't know about this? Where? Let me, let me can I look it up on the internet. We don't put it. Children can. Did you not hear? Children can see the internet, Frank. We don't put it on the internet because children can see that. So where do I find out? How do, what, what am I supposed to do? We take great pains to keep this information away from children and you do this show, tell us to gather the children around and then it ends up getting trotted out. Well, I didn't trot it out. Well, no, that, you're right. That was Minky and that was very unprofessional of Minky. But the, but the fact that you still say it's, it's a children-friendly show shows that you're an irresponsible broadcaster. Come on, how are you going to get hired with practices like that? I, didn't, I thought they were just puppets. I didn't... I, I, they, they look like puppets and they feel like felt. Thank you, so naive. I can't believe you're living in this dream world where puppets are used to entertain children. Come on. Nobody finds puppets entertaining. That's ridiculous. Even children can't believe puppets. You know, Howdy Doody was a long time ago, Frank. But Howdy Doody was a good show and it was about puppets. It wasn't. Frank, it wasn't a good show. I thought it was a good show. It wasn't a good show. You're... God, you're right, Rory. He is naive. Woefully naive. And and you think that you're going to get a job in the media industry when you don't understand the most fundamental things about children's entertainment. I don't want to be a children's entertainer. Regardless, Frank, how blind can you be to the world? How blind can you be to the ways of the world? That's not... I, look, this is... I don't... I think you guys are giving me guff, and you're making fun of me. They're not... They're not aliens. They're they're puppets, right? Frank, we, you think we would just be making this up to mess with your head? But they gotta be puppets. They have the things on their arms that make their arms gesticulate. That's the a- muscle helpless, Frank. The muscle. Come on. You guys are, no, but you guys are really, seriously, you guys are messing with me, right? What, what do we have to do to convince you? I, well, I, I don't, you gotta just, there's gotta be some evidence if it were true. Right, well, hold on. Here, Skip, let me wake up Skip. Skip, Skip, Skip. What the what? Is it time, is it time for you to sing, is it time to sing the song? No. Oh, Dad, I want to sing the song. You were sleeping. Look, Skip, I just, I woke you up for a quick question. The Muppets. What are the Muppets? Dad, well, Dad, they're, they're, they're puppets. Oh, see, see, they're puppets. No, escape, escape, escape. There's puppets. no children around. There's no children around. Come on, seriously. Oh, okay. Well, then they're aliens. They're from Muppet. See, no, Frank. No, what? That's, no, no, come on. That's, you could have told him to say that. You could have told him to say that. All right. All right. Well, hold on. Let me get my phone. I'll make a phone call. This is fine. No problem. Uh, all right. I'll put it on speaker. Hey, yeah, what's up? Patsy, hey, it's Jordan. Hey, Jordan, how's it going? What, what's going on? Patsy, I just, I'm, I'm having to talk with Frank Allen here, and uh, let me preface this by saying there's no children in the room. Hey. There's no children in the room. Uh, 
The Muppets. What's the deal with the Muppets? All right. Now, no, here's the thing. They they want you to believe that they're puppets, but don't believe it because they're actually from outer space. They're aliens. They're from the planet Muppa. They're not actually... They say they're frogs. They're not frogs. You know, they're some other thing. It's totally ridiculous. It's a big conspiracy. I don't know who's covering this stuff up, but somebody is because there's no, the information is not out there. But it's it's in here, in my head, is where I'm pointing. And uh, look, seriously, this is... Don't believe it. When they say that they're puppets, don't believe it because they are from outer space. That is where, again, I'm pointing up. You can't see it because I'm on the phone with you. But seriously, don't believe it. All right, that's all I needed to know, uh, Patsy. Thank you. All right, no problem. Thank you very much, Jordan. Th- uh, thanks for having me on your show. You're, well, you're welcome. I didn't even say I was on my show, but you're right. Why else would you call me? Come on. I know I know what's going on. All right, well, it's good to talk to you, Patsy. All right, see you later. So uh, there you go, Frank. Obviously, everybody agrees they're, they're aliens. Ah, uh, okay. Well... I guess I was unaware. I guess you were. All right. Um, well, anyway, uh, what's next? Well, I have another day in history to do. All right. Well, yeah, let's get to that. Welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin, and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. On March 22, 1947, in response to public fears and congressional investigations into communism in the United States, President Harry S. Truman issues an executive decree establishing a sweeping loyalty investigation of federal employees. We need to investigate the loyalty of employees. Some of these employees don't seem entirely loyal. Disloyalty seems to be the byword of some of my employees. How will we prevent my loyal employees from becoming disloyal? This meeting's boring. What do you say we go pull the fire alarm? Okay, loyalty yeah. is an important factor when examining how loyal my employees Truman. are. Truman, are you ready? Yes, Mr. Truman. Okay, if they're not... Ah! Ah! Ah, fire! A disloyal arsonist! Meanwhile, across town... We gotta call in! Let's go! Quick! Wait a second. If this is our false alarm, I'm gonna have to hurt my wife. And everyone knows that pulling fire alarms is the number one cause of spousal abuse and communism, so don't do it unless there's actual fire. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But wait one moment, sir. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. And as I'm sure you could tell, when the leader of the most important country in the world is stabbed in the back with such disloyalty, when such a noble leader as that brave true man was, is completely betrayed, it really does seem as though a fire has broken out in his heart, if not the building around him. And those that had conspired against this great man, this emperor among men, the guilt that they felt consumed them with every part of their being, so much so that the only thing they thought could fill it was whiskey, because sometimes alcohol can be used to try to substitute for an actual solution to your problems, but it's not the actual way to solve your problems. You know, you actually have to take action. In the same way that if there was a fire, you would pull the fire alarm, but not if there's not a fire, because if you did, that would be a lie. So that fire alarm pulling is much like the whiskey drinking. They don't actually do anything. Well, I mean, they, they do do something, but the thing that they do is detrimental to your life rather than helping you. And as everyone knows, when the leader of the most important country in the world calls for your help, you want to be the person who says, I will be happy to help you. Would you like me to attack Egypt? Sure, I'll, I'll do that. Would you like me to you know, drop bombs on Japan? Sure, I'll do that. You know, whatever you need. So make sure that you don't pull fire alarms needlessly or drink whiskey needlessly. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. I see what you did there, Rory. You pulled that little trick again where you played the same thing twice. No, no, no. It's totally different. Well, I mean, it was, yeah, it's totally different, except that it's exactly the same. No, it's totally different because the first one was about Caesar, and the second one was about Truman. I know. I got it. I got it. It was about Truman, but, um, but it was the same words. Yes, but isn't that clever? That's interesting. So if someone were in- enrolled at the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies and they wrote one paper that they turned in for every single one of their classes by keeping the language vague, would you say that was a, a very clever way to get an A in all their classes? Well, no, I mean, no. 
Because that would no, uh, no, no, that wouldn't be clever. Well, I mean, it, w- it would be clever, but I probably would not give good grades for that. No, and yet, and yet, it's something you would do in your life. Well, I mean, you know, it's um, I did it, so you know, right, right, all right. Well, let's get to Epic Echoes. This is the next show we've got up. Uh, again, we're getting very close to the end of all of our shows, so only three episodes of Epic Echoes left, counting this one. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. Uh, as you know, Epic Echoes is the backwards series, so every episode takes place before the one before it, meaning we're getting very close to the beginning. Here we are. Echoes the Backward Series, Season 4, Episode 9, Driven to Distraction, by C. Henry Berman. Beacons of Life, a tribute banquet to the Flashpack. I really don't think so, Max. What the hell is a beacon of life supposed to be? Well, a beacon is like a lighthouse. I know. I'm saying the metaphor. Guys, let's just get through this. Mm. There's a Flashpack half-life-size semi-memorial statue christening. Remembering Julie, a dinner for the queen of our hearts and her intrepid team. Hope of the- Ever since the tragic events of a few days before, Max Thornfield and his intrepid flashpack had been inundated with offers of condolences, invitations to elegiac banquets, and summons to official memorials from all manner of momentous people. Now Max had finally got around to examining the pile of mail, and the rest of the pack were too overwhelmed to continue. Max, I don't think we're interested in any of these. I, for one, would like something to take my mind off, Julie. A distraction. Hey, guys! Is it true all the things people keep saying about a pack rat? Because I've been looking all over this place, and I still can't find it. Well, maybe if you keep looking... Well, he shouldn't be hard to find if he's real. Apparently, he keeps everything. The interplanetary threat alert signal. The tributes might have to wait after all. Turn the monitor on, Molly. Ladies and gentlemen, you now have the honor of receiving an official live video communique from President Restam Salgood of Balaflex. So, where is he? Shh, President Salgood is about to appear. Oh, I bet he's just under a table. See, I was right! Oh, sorry, I, I was looking for my pen. It, it was under the, the desk. My pen was, I mean. I, I think I must have dropped it there. Can't think how else it might have got down there. Can you? I mean, it's pretty. It's a good pen, though. I've had it for a while. Mm, Mr. President, why was it you contacted us on the emergency frequency? Obviously, the pen was missing. That's an emergency. For God's sake, man. Can't you be quiet for one minute? Cat man, that is. <laughs> hmm? Why? Well, I'm sure there must there must have been a good reason. Oh, the the mail should be here. I really should be going. Where'd he go? Max, can you tune into a Fallowflex news broadcast or something? Sure, just a minute. And that is really the most interesting thing about the world situation right now, because there's no way that the disunionist faction will join the Alabaster Front along the TFF border while Grimley is in power. Power. Did you did you ever notice that the word power is like they replaced the microphone in here. It used to be a green one, but now it's... Max, there's obviously something going wrong there, but nobody seems to be able to pay attention long enough to say what it is. Hmm? I said they don't seem to be able to concentrate. Oh, you're right. 
We'll have to go ourselves. I hope we can get there in time to determine what the problem is. Jimmy, prepare the ship. Keen, calculate an ETA. We'll have to hope whatever threat is menacing them is not so imminent that we miss our chance to help. There's no use mourning when there are people whose lives we can save now. Flashback! Flashback! No, I could just get you there instantaneously if you want to, but not if you've already bothered to start up the spaceship. You can? Oh, yeah. But you'll have to agree to my conditions. Come on, cat man. Don't you realize lives could be at stake? That channel is never used except in dire emergencies. What are your conditions? Some chicken. You've got it. Now take us to Falaflax. Wow, wow. There, I told you it could be useful to have a magic cat man around. Look at that. I don't want to. It's huge. When do I get my chicken? I've never seen anything like it. Or anything quite so garish. Balaflag space traffic. Yes, I'm calling to inquire about the enormous fluffy red spaceship in orbit around your planet. Is that supposed to be there? Is why I have a fluffy red pillow. I mean... Don't suppose that helps, but it's plush, so it's very comfortable. Uh, if you're interested, I, I have it at home. My, my home's very nice. It's Georgian. They didn't even know it was there? How could the whole planet fail to notice that? I'll see if I can get that ship on the communicator. Martin Rection, how may I help you? I'm the intrepid Max Thornfield from the universe-famous Flashback. We received a distress call from the president of this planet, but he seemed unable to tell us what it was about. We were wondering if you could tell us anything about it. Hey, look over there! What? Over where? You're talking to us over a video screen, Mr. Rection. Look over there isn't going to work especially well. Over there is out of shot. Why don't you just explain to us what exactly you're doing? I suspect you're using some kind of ray of non-concentration. <coughs> <laughs> Distractor beam. It's trained on the planet as we speak. Hmm, that's clever. Thank you. But why? What are you after? Yeah, you're making all these dummy humans forget to feed me. Hmm, before I explain that, hey, you better uh, take care of that mouse that's crawling all over the hang-up button on your communicator screen. What? There is? Woo! Are you sure you want to keep that cat around? I'm really, really sorry, Drowis. I think I get it. He was trying to trick me, wasn't he? Max, with a population of about 7 billion, Falaflax must contain about 14,000 kilostairs of attention. If he found a way of siphoning that, he could apply himself hard enough to solve almost any problem in the universe. That's it! Misdirection must be stealing attention from the population of Falaflax and using it for his own nefarious ends. And they're all too distracted to notice. It can't be allowed, and we're the only people who can stop it. Flash pass! Flashback! Now we'll have to find a way of boarding that tasteless spaceship and find out what he's using the attention to help him concentrate on. Yo, guys, cats have a lot of spells for dealing with furry, fluffy spheres. It's one of our specialties. Just in case you were maybe looking for ideas or something. Horse! Fertress, it's essential that you grab hold of that big, fuzzy red floating ball with your mind. You got it! I've been wanting to do that ever since we first saw it! Come here, big floaty thing! Wow! Maybe we should keep this cat. Thank you, Fertress. Now let's call Space Traffic to tell them how we saved their plant from certain destruction. People of Falaflax, may I have your attention, please? <laughs> 
get it? No, you wouldn't. Well, let me explain. I've just deactivated my super science distractor beam and returned your attention spans to you. In the meantime, I used the 14,500 kilostairs of attention that your planet contained Damn. to train my attention on one single problem. That's right. I exploited all of your attention spans for my own purposes. And now my plan has come to fruition. I have created Misdirection's Skim System, the world's most effective method of speed reading, which can be yours for How only... How did he get back? Virtus used his magic to palm the ship away. Wait, our readings never showed any kind of distractor beam coming from where that giant fuzzy ball was? You mean it was a distraction? Of course! Can you trace the transmission and cut it, Jimmy? Yes, I'll just send out a jamming signal. Now the population of Falaflax won't be scammed into buying into a rip-off speed reading scheme. He didn't really have much of a plan, did he? Not really. Of all the villains we've ever encountered, I have to say that... Ah! The home workotron! Are you sure we can't look into that speed reading scheme that misdirection... Of course not! You remember what happened that time when Julie... Hmm. Well... Why did you have to remind us, Max? Sorry. I wasn't thinking. But we can continue even without Julie. We showed it today and we can show it again. Flashback! Flashback! Now, Fertress, take us home. Um, what do you mean? You, you teleported us here. Now we need to go back. Uh, well, <laughs> about that, I can usually do real teleports, like maybe one or two people, no problem. <laughs> you can't get us home, can you? I had to use up an ancient Saladonian shoelace toy. It was a one-time use. All right, gang, let's get walking. Significant villains through the history of space-time. What can I write about that? What will Jimmy write? Will the flashback ever stop being reminded of their loss? Why did the villain sound so familiar? Find out in next week's show, Voices of Evil. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom, Elijah Weberhan was Martin Rection, Charles Berman was the announcer and the clerk, and Samuel Thomason was President Restum. The theme song was by Michael, Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much. Now, we are getting to the end of our show. It's uh, almost the end, so let's uh, let's do our customary end of the show type stuff. Uh, Scape, are you ready for your song? Absolutely, God. For serious. This is the song About the end of the show Thank you very much for that, Scapey. That was very heartfelt and sad. Uh, Scape, we did get a piece of mail this week, and it is a piece of mail about you. What? Yeah, it's it's uh, actually two pieces of mail, now that you mention it, about your schoolwork. What? What, the, what does it say? Well, Scape, you didn't tell me what happened with your professor. What? 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 
Then what did I tell you? Here's a letter. Let's see what it says. Rory, would you mind reading this letter? Oh, no problem. Dear class, please accept my apologies for the last minute class cancellation and delay in grading your last assignments. As I hope our substitute explained, I was called away on a family emergency. I will send your grading sheets separately. I am offering three adjustments to the syllabus that I hope will alleviate any stress due to the upset in our schedule. One, I am eliminating one of our assignments. Two, I am revising the due dates. And three, I am offering an extra credit assignment. Your assignments. Your last assignment will be a cover song. Please keep in mind our class discussions about covering songs, especially the concept of changing a song in tempo, instruments, genre, etc. To make it your own, you may not cover any song already used as inspiration for another assignment this year. Your final exam will be an original song incorporating elements learned and discussed in class this year to be accompanied by a 500-word essay analyzing, explaining, justifying, or introducing your song. You may not write a song about a subject you've already covered in another assignment this year. Those of you who play your songs publicly are on a podcast, radio show, or other medium should broadcast this essay as well. The due dates. You may hand in these two final assignments up to noon on May 15th. I will accept both assignments on that date or at any time before. You may hand them in individually or together. Extra credit. You may choose one of the following extra credit options. One, record another song in a genre that we have not covered in a previous assignment. Two, write a one to two page analysis of your assignments covering composition, lyrics, etc. Or three, write a one to two page analysis of an existing song recorded by another band or artist covering composition, lyrics, etc. Extra credit assignments will not be accepted after May 15th. Upon successful completion of your extra credit assignment, I will take your lowest assignment grade and raise it by a full letter grade. A B becomes an A, a B plus becomes an A plus, etc. Please get in touch if you have any questions about any of these changes to our syllabus. I hope this makes it for an efficient and successful end of the semester. Regards, WS. William Spike Chain, PhD. So, Scape, you've got two assignments left, but, I mean, you know, obviously you need to do the extra credit as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm doing really good, so I probably don't. Yeah, if minus, really good minus. Dad, no, you got, you gotta say good. No, but you didn't, you do okay. But if this will bring up any grade you have from a, a downgrade to a higher grade, that's what you gotta do it, man. So you have to do a cover song, then you have to do your final song, and, and sometime in there you have to do extra credit, either another song or, or one of these essays. Well, I don't, I don't know how to write essays. Well, I know, but you, you'll have to learn because you have to do one for your final. <sighs> well, Skate, just consider it. But we haven't even gotten to the the other letter. What's the other letter? The other letter is your assignment grade sheet. Oh. Frank, would you mind reading that to us? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, assignment 5, Ballad, Mr. Scape White, Grade Sheet 31610. Scapey, I would like to give you an A-plus for this assignment. I'm really enjoying the progression of your songs this year. While it's always very difficult to choose, I think MF might be my favorite song from you so far. Given that you had no concept of a ballad before this assignment, I consider this a particularly impressive accomplishment. You really threw yourself into the assignment. Your research that you presented to class was a wonderful compliment to the song you produced. All the elements of a rock ballad were there, including the distorted bridge, which rocked out quite a bit, by the way. And you wrote about what you know and love, which really came through in the lyrics, music, and feeling with which you performed the song. All right, all right, off to a good start, Skate. Yeah, because I did a good start. All right, well, so far. The downside to this, of course, is that I cannot give you an A-plus as your assignment was late. See? Well, that, but I didn't, I was, I didn't know I was going to be late. Well, but you were. All right, all right. As you know, the syllabus dictates a loss of half a letter grade for every day an assignment was late. This was due February 3rd, and you broadcast it on the 8th, five days late, at half a letter grade per day brings you down to a B minus. I would like to remind you that you can always send me a completed song before you broadcast it on the podcast. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know that we were going to have to do it late. Yeah, but you did, and now you get a B minus on it? Yeah, but I just, because I didn't, you talk, I thought we were going to do a podcast on the right date. 
But we didn't do it! That's not my fault! Well, that is your fault! Yeah, but I mean, it's not my fault that you didn't do your assignment earlier. Whoa! But still... There's more letter, guys. There's more letter. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I would like to additionally address the attitude with which you presented the song. You were unapologetic about it being late and chose also to blame your father for broadcasting late and therefore causing your assignment to be late. As a student, this is inappropriate behavior that negatively influences an assignment. And I would encourage you to take responsibility for your own assignment. See, look, he's saying the exact same thing. It's not my fault that you were late. It's your own fault because you have to take responsibility. No, I don't! I don't know how to do dates! I don't have a calendar! What do you want? I want you to get A pluses! Well, I don't, so just shut up! Scapey! There's more letter guys. Oh, yes, okay, go, go. However, I have to admit that this attitude was spot on for a rock star and an acknowledgement of the whole package and not just a song. After all, this is rock star school, not music school. I do believe I have to give you some extra points for spirit. So as a compromise, I'm going to give you a B plus for this assignment. Consider this a gift. And going forward, please do strike a balance between being a student and a rock star until you graduate. And remember that you can complete an extra credit assignment for this semester. I have collected the lyrics from Waxwork.com for your RIR portfolio. W.S. See down, I got a B plus. Yeah, B plus. That's lower than an A+. Plus. That's higher than a B-, which I had a second ago. Yeah, but, so, if you do the extra credit, this can go up to an A+. Plus. But, that, but I'm already doing really good. Yeah, but you could be doing better. So, you should be doing better. God, this is so unfair. Come on. I, look, I pulled it off. By the skin of your teeth. If this was any other school, you probably would have gotten points off. Well, but it's not. It's disco, so uh, that means I am awesome. It's not what it means. But anyway, fine. Let's just let it drop. Fine. All right. Listen, uh, if you're anyone besides Scapes teachers, um, please keep writing into us. Castinwax at gmail.com. We do really, 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 really want to know stuff about what you think about the podcast. We want to know your ideas for the podcast. If you think that you have something to say that the podcast listeners need to know about, just write into us, man. If you, you want to apply to Rory's school, if you want to offer Frank a job, if you want to, you know, ask Scape about what kind of moist food he likes. Or chicken, moist. I know, I know. But if you want to ask any questions of me, if you want to know anything, seriously, all sorts of different things you could write into us about. I've done lists before. I'll do lists again someday, but not right now. Um, speaking of rock music, though, we have a kind of an exciting thing to end the podcast with, which is that I, I've i now done ukulele covers of all of the Waxwork theme songs, at least all of the, the, the real ones, the official ones. So uh, this is the last one, and I saved one of my favorites for last. This was the first Waxwork theme song that I remastered for the podcast, the old recording, um, and it's going to be the, the last one I, I've done the ukulele cover for. It's Waxwork Theme R. It might be my favorite one of all the Waxwork themes. I just, I love the lyrics. I think it's such a fun song. So hopefully you all enjoy it. And uh, two weeks from now, we'll be back right here. So uh, make sure you listen then as well. And write into us in the meantime. You've got two whole weeks to think of a really great letter. Sometime, in fact, sometime in the next week, write us the letter just to make sure we get it on time. Because email can sometimes get, go really slow. The point is, um, yes, please write into us. Enjoy the song and all these things are, are true. Um, goodbye from all of us. And, uh, and we'll be seeing you. Annihilation on my classes Got laser surgery correcting for my glasses Been pumping iron 30 hours a week Improving on my physique So I can kick all of your asses Did all the dishes and I cleaned out all the closets I mowed the lawn and tightened all the leaky faucets Got liposuction on my calves and my gut My face, my arms and my butt Removing my fatty deposits I feel revitalized Performance optimized Perfection realized My body's mobilized My mind is digitized My look accessorized my personality was downloaded and backed up. Implants and plants until my reflexes are jacked up. 
Make sure to spring for a lifetime warranty So parts and labor are free In case I ever stop to act up Pack full of ice to run off nuclear power And fuel injected running 60 miles an hour With sonic generators under my skin Destroying dirt from within So I don't ever have to shower I feel revitalized The fun of optimized Perfection realized Upgrades will improvise But now I'm stigmatized For being motorized Of whether I'm alive has been a matter that I've got to admit has been disputed. I feel revitalized, performance optimized, perfection realized. First I was traumatized, now I'm acclimatized to being synthesized. Versus prioritized, data was analyzed, program initialized. 